Today, I want this message to be extremely encouraging to every one of you. In fact, I would like this to encourage even the godliest person in this place. The godliest person I'm speaking to. I want this message to encourage you. But that's not enough. I want this message from Psalm 1 to encourage the most ungodly person who's listening to my voice. The ungodliest, the worst, the most negative. That person, this message is made for. And yet, at the same time, in God's wisdom, Psalm 1 encourages the godliest person. Because even the godliest can be better and greater. So today, I want to speak to you about what now, what's next, what's new, what to do. That's what this new year is all about. So let's begin with what now. Now, now is a unique word. And now is uniquely yours. Your now is not the same as my now. My now is different than yours. Yours is different than mine. Now is different for each one of us. Now, there are some listening to me many times has been the now moment for you to accept Christ, but you've never done it. You've put it off and procrastinated. But now, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. There are many Christians who are living a very mediocre life, a carnal life. And many now moments have come to you, but you've passed them by. But today is the now moment for you to draw close to God, and He will draw close to you. Don't lose your now. Now is the time that God works. God is always in the now. Yes, He has the past history that He's worked in, but God is working in the now, and now is now, and now is your time. Don't let it get away from you like a balloon flying away in the wind. Don't let the winds of the world take your now from you. Use that now. God is your now. In fact, one of my favorite singers, Amy Grant, talked about time. She wrote a song entitled, Our Time is Now. She said, and I like her because she has very thoughtful and thought-provoking words. She says, time is illusion. Time is a curse. Time is all these things and worse. But our time is now. Yes, our time is now. And let us sing before our time runs out. We could say, let us sing, let us work, let us be parents, let us be good husband and wife, let us be a good single person, let us fulfill our dream under God's guidance. Now, now is the time. So what now? What are you going to do in the now of 2021? What's next? Who's next in your life? What's next? Who will you be with next in your life? Who will you draw close to? Why will things happen in your life next? The best way for you to proceed on in the next day of life, the next part of your life, is to use two things. Number one, use God's Word, the Bible, to guide you into the next. You're moving from now to next every single day of your life. And the other critical part of it is to use the blueprint that God put in you and your personality, who you are, what your skill set is, how you think, how you live, how you carry yourself. What is your personality under Christ? What kind of a person are you? 
That determines your next, the Bible, and the blueprint. And, of course, prayer. Keep knocking on heaven's door. God has answers for you. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. And literally, it means in the language you're written in, ask and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And God will enter and open that door for you. Ask, seek, and knock. Now, what's new? What's now? What's next? What's new? Now, really, there are not very many new things. In fact, Solomon the wise man said, there is no new thing under the sun. You know the most overused word and popular word in advertising? New. New you. Get this new product. Get this new thing. Be this new person. Go to this new place. You've got to have this new experience. You've got to have this new thing for your life. You could even buy a brand new set of clothes, brand new clothes, but the old you is still in them. <laughs> That's how life is, isn't it? You can appear to be new. Only God can make things new. I love Ezekiel. Ezekiel said that God said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Now see, that's how it works. If there's going to be anything new in your life, it's not your clothes, it's not your car, it's the new you, and only God can create a new you. A new you for a new year, because you're going to need a new you. We have challenges ahead of us. This is not going to be an easy year. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult in many ways. And yet, there's a silver lining in the cloud because God is in that cloud. God works through all things. So don't lose your new. Keep that newness through Christ. Sometimes people say to me, what's new? And I've trained myself to say, what's new? Well, it's a new day. There's a new way. God's got something to say. I believe that. I believe God has something to say on any day, any now, any next situation in your life. Go to God. God has an answer for you. Now, next is what to do. What are you going to do about your life? What are you going to do in the now? What are you going to do next? Well, Psalm 1, praise God, has an answer. And that answer is basically to keep on moving, keep walking with God. If you are a Christian, you walk with God every day by faith. If you're not a Christian, then the world is walking with you and influencing you in a negative way. You've got to drop walking with the world and start walking with God. Then your eyes are going to be opened up in the world you're in. You're going to see new and wonderful, great things in the world that you never saw before because you were not walking with God. I'll guarantee you, that the man or woman who's a Christian, who's walking in the world side by side with an unbeliever, sees all the things God can do and will do and has done because of their eyes of faith. A man or woman without faith in God is like a blind man, spiritually speaking, walking along, stumbling, bumping into walls, walking down detoured roads, having problems, not being able to see know and understand the real issues. So this year, you've got to decide who you are, what you're going to do, what's next, what's new, what's now, 
And Psalm 1 is help from heaven. It's God's guidance for you. Let's read it. Psalm 1. Now today, I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. So if you see a difference in a word, they are the exact words from the Greek language, but the Greek has various meanings, but they're all very similar. So follow along silently as I read aloud. We'll read all six verses. Great way to start. Blessed. Blessed is the man. It literally means they're man or woman, any person. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he or she does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now here in this passage, Psalm 1, we have a dramatic contrast of two people, whether they're men or women, young or old, rich or poor, educated or not black or white or brown, two people, and they symbolize all the people on planet Earth. Because on planet Earth there are two kinds of people, those who are prospering, and I'll tell you what that means later, and those who are perishing. Two kinds of men and women of all ages on this planet, the godly and the ungodly. Now what you have to do is decide which one are you. Are you a godly man or woman, or are, you a, or are you an ungodly? I like this word ungodly better than using the word believer and unbeliever. Because anybody can say, oh, I believe. Well, that means almost nothing today. Still a good word, but it means almost nothing when you put it in the mouth of many people. Godly has weight to it. <clears throat> ungodly has weight to it meaning to it. Godly or ungodly. The godly prosper, the ungodly perish. Perish. Man or woman. So let's see what God tells us because God knows both of these persons, both of these people. He knows the godly and He knows the ungodly. And God has a way for us to turn to Him in 2021 and live a new life. Let's talk about the godly person for a moment. The godly person, according to Psalm 1, is known by one, to all, a decision that he or she made by decisiveness. Notice what it says in verse 1. Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. A godly man or woman has made a decision that they are not going to stand around, they're not going to walk around with the ungodly, 
They're not going to have close fellowship. They're not going to build their friendships with a person who has a totally different viewpoint of life because it's not going to work. They're either going to drag you down or, praise God, you may pull them up. One of those two things will happen. And the Bible says that the godly man makes one decision, the godly woman makes one decision that takes care of a thousand other decisions, 10,000 other decisions in their life. When I became a Christian, when I made that big decision, and I made it for real, it wasn't play-like, it was real. When I made that decision, it became so much easier for me to start making all the other decisions in my life. Why? Because from then on, my decision was to do what pleased God, what helped people, what kept me in the pathway of God. I didn't go where everybody else wanted me to go. I didn't listen to all the stuff I heard that I used to listen to. I didn't just walk anywhere, be anybody, be anything that anybody wanted me to be. I didn't go along to get along. Now I wanted to get along with God. I wanted to walk in that pathway, in that decision. From that, I got God's counsel. I discovered God's pathway. I found out that I could sit with God, and I could live that life every single day. But there's something else the Bible says about this godly man or woman. He or she has a tremendous delight. Delight. The word itself sounds delightful, doesn't it? delightful. I think they named some desserts delightful. There's a reason for that. Because they are delightful to the taste. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So the Bible tells us to delight. But notice what it says. He delights in the law of the Lord. That means the word, the teachings, the precepts, the principles of the Lord. He delights in them both day and night, he meditates on them. Now, what does that mean? It means with a godly man or woman, the thought of God is never that far away. In your decisions, in your thinking, in your friendships, with your money, with your pathway, with your career, you're always in the Lord. You're in the Word of the Lord. When you rise up, when you go to bed, when you're sitting in your living room, when you're driving your car, when you're playing sports, when you're having business, when you're talking to somebody, the Lord is never an inch away from you. And He is as real as the skin on hand to you. He's real. And you have Him in you. And that's your delight. And it's your delight. The law of God is your delight because it's the Lord's law. You know whose words I delight most in other than God? My wife's. If I compared what you say to me to what my wife says to me, you come in about 159. I delight in what my wife says to me. Why? Because she's saying it. And we delight in the word of the Lord because it's the Lord saying it. And one thing the Lord tells us in Psalm 37, you might want to jot down that scripture reference. Don't turn to it, we just don't have the time. Psalm 37 says, fret not, fret not in the world. Fret not 
Don't be so worried. Don't be so bothered. Don't be so upset about things. We need to think about what God wants us to know and delight in Him. Now, there's also a description of the Lord's man or woman here. A description. Notice what it says. It's kind of interesting. It says in verse 2, he delights in the law of the Lord. But verse 3 says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now that's a kind of an interesting description, isn't it? If I were to say to you, you know, you remind me of a, and you're waiting for that compliment, and I say, a tree. <laughs> I think you not be too happy with me. But God says you're like a tree. You're like a tree, a beautiful, productive tree. Now, I remember way, 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 way back in the dinosaur age when I was in the fifth grade, when there's a little saying going around my school, elementary school in Columbus, Georgia. And when you really wanted to put somebody down, we'd say, uh, You're not preaching this, I am. Keep that in mind from the rest of this message. So the Bible tells us that we are like a tree. We're like a tree. Now what is it about a tree that's so great? Tree produces fruit. Delicious fruit. Not wax fruit, but delicious fruit. Fruit that has grown and fruit is produced by roots. When you lay down roots of faith and study and knowledge and wisdom from the Holy Spirit of God, God gives you the power to produce fruit in your life. Now, what kind of fruit is that? That's watered by the Holy Spirit and watered by the Word. Well, that fruit, first of all, is your mental state. The fruit of the Spirit is your mental stability. The Gallup poll recently released a report in November of 2020 that said Americans related, this was taken in November as I stated, Americans related or stated and rated that their mental health was lower than they had ever had in the last two years of their life. Now we know what's been causing that, don't we? So many issues, including the pandemic and other things. There is a mental depression happening in America, a mental state of oppression. But in this poll that was taken by Gallup, one group was the exception. One group said they were stronger and better even in the pandemic than before. And you know what group that was? According to the Gallup poll, it was the church-going group. Weekly. Those who went to church weekly, and that's spelled W-E-E-K-L-Y, not W-E-A-K-L-Y. They went to church weekly, and their percentage of mental health was far above. They rated themselves as strong to excellent in their mental outlook. This is one of the fruits of the tree of life that God gives to you. And why is that? Why is it that people go to church weekly, those who can? Why is it that their mental attitude and stability is so much greater? Well, we know why, don't we? It's the Spirit of God. It's the Word of God. 
It's the prayer of the people. It's the strengthening of being together, even if we have to wear a mask. Even if we have to sit distance. Even if we have to wash our hands. No matter what we have to do when we're together, it makes a difference. God made that theology real. God said, never forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And the reason for that is there's a dynamic of worship and togetherness that's mentally tough, spiritually alive, soul food for anybody who'll eat it. But you got to come to the table. you got to get yourself to the table. The table is the church. And that table is set every week in the church that's preaching the gospel, and your life will be different because of that. So the Bible says that this godly man is known, or this godly woman is known by God. But let me also say to you that by contrast, the ungodly person is known by God too. Let me just point out something to you. God knows the ungodly man or woman just as well as he knows the godly man or woman. God knows you. If you're that ungodly man or woman I'm talking to right now, I want you to know something. God knows you down to the soles of your feet. He knows every little corpuscle in you, every atom in you, every bit of your DNA. He knows you inside out and upside down and backwards and forwards. He knows you and praise God. Now hear me. He loves you. He wants you to have something better than you have. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to be a new person. Not just new clothes, not just a new car, not just a new place to eat. He wants you to be a new man, a new woman in your spirit, in your soul, in your life through what's called the new birth. And that really is new birth. I'll tell you what, I can testify to that because when I was 21 and a half years of age, I had a new birth. I had a physical birth, and then I had a spiritual birth. Yeah, there is something new under the sun, the new birth from God. Now, this man is called, or this woman is called, ungodly. What does that mean? What is the profile of an ungodly person? What does an ungodly person talk like, act like, live like, look like? What is that ungodly person? Well, let me just tell you that ungodly people are your relatives. You may be married to one. Your uh, friends may be ungodly. The people you take trips with, the people you eat out with, the people you have fun with. They may be ungodly. They could be godly, but they might be ungodly. An ungodly person is a person who says, no God, don't need God, don't want God. They may look good, sound good, feel good most days, have good talents and good skills. They might have a good job. They may be able to talk wisely sometimes. But the reality, the tragedy is that they're ungodly because they're ungodly in their mind. They're mentally ungodly. 
Not only that, but the worst thing about that mental attitude, because it comes out in their words, is that they are a spreader of ungodliness. They spread it to their kids. They spread it to their co-workers. They spread it to their family. They spread it to anybody who's looking at them, listening to them, watching them, close to them, walking around with them, standing around with them, doing things with them. They're a spreader of the ungodly nature of a human being without God. Their philosophy is ungodly. Their theology is ungodly. They're religious, by the way. Most ungodly people are very religious. By that I mean they think they can make their own religion. They can reach up and pull God down from His throne and reshape Him and remake Him and fix Him up and roll Him all around and stick Him in their pocket. Now they're religious. they got enough to keep them for the rest of their life. But what is Christianity? It's so different. Christianity is not man reaching up to get God. It's God not just reaching down, but coming down. Coming down here in the incarnation. Living, loving, even giving his life upon the cross for the forgiveness of sins. But the ungodly man is ungodly in his philosophy, his theology, his religion. And believe me, the ungodly man is very righteous. That is, self-righteous. And he'll let you know he doesn't need your religion He doesn't need your church. He doesn't need that Bible. He's got it all figured out. Well, I was educated at such such a college and university. Well, I've got these many years of experience in business. Well, I learned this, and I know this, and I know that. I don't need all of that. I've got it all figured out myself. Also, this ungodly person is very much forgiving about their own sinfulness. The ungodly man is very forgiving about his own sins. In fact, he hardly ever even wants to talk about them. But if he does, he just kind of laughs them off. Well, I'll make it somehow. You know, God will wink at me. He knows me. He and I are like that. You know, He's winking at my sins. He knows I didn't really mean to lie and steal or cheat or use somebody sexually or abuse them. He knows my heart. He knows I didn't. Well, you're right, brother. God knows your heart. That's your downfall. That's your dilemma. That's your danger. That's the tragic state of your life. You're an ungodly man or woman. You're a sinner, but you won't acknowledge it. You'll dress it up every way you can. 